Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Machinists approve a contract with the railroad. So the question, where are we now? Meanwhile, Home Depot workers say no to unionizing at a store in Philadelphia. And today on the show, the latest from the Communication Workers of America. And we check in with the bricklayers in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome to the Tuesday, November 8th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, and that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. Mr. Frank Matthews, District 4 Administrative Director of the Communication Workers of America, national website, cwa-union.org, is going to be our first guest, longtime supporter of this show we call America's Workforce, and obviously today is Election Day. Aren't you glad it's finally here, especially with all those nasty commercials? My God. Anyway, we're going to talk about what the CWA and virtually all unions are doing and have been doing for months now, and that is educating workers on the candidates. And the CWA has done a bang-up job. We'll talk about their specific campaign. A couple other issues we're going to get into And this uh, was a recent announcement. The CWA announced a slate of new industry and employer partnerships. And this is to support technician training as all 50 states prepare plans for subsidizing high-speed broadband build-outs under President Biden's Internet for All initiative. Now, this announcement comes as the union headlined a White House event celebrating commitments made under the administration's Talent Pipeline Challenge, which essentially is a call to action for employers, for unions, education and training providers, philanthropic organizations, and state and local leaders to make tangible commitments that support equitable workforce development within the broadband construction, and electric vehicle sectors. It's pretty uh, pretty broad. The effort aims to ensure highly skilled and trained workers are ready to meet the demands of implementing the historic bipartisan infrastructure law, which has included $65 billion in funding to reinforce and expand the nation's broadband infrastructure. We talked a lot about this with Frank over the past couple of months, and that... Uh, that uh, infrastructure law is coming up to its uh, first anniversary here. A lot of good components to that. And it was done in a bipartisan way. So we'll get some specifics on that. Meanwhile, the uh, National Labor Relations Board issued a complaint. This was about a week ago against Verizon Wireless, alleging the company violated the law by illegally firing Jesse Mason, a former specialist at Verizon's Wireless Seattle Northgate and Aurora Village retail store locations. Why? Because he did the horrible thing of engaging in union activity earlier this year. How about that? The uh, complaint follows 
the filing of an unfair labor practice charge back in April by the CWA, who alleged Mason was suddenly terminated from his position after attempting to organize his colleagues in attending Verizon Wireless Workers Union Vote Counts for nearby Everett and Linwood stores. And he did that in solidarity. So the uh, Labor Board is seeking a remedy by asking the company to reinstate him. So uh, Frank will touch on that as well. Interesting uh, scenario panning out in Pittsburgh. For more than three weeks, union members have been on strike against the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, demanding a just contract from the management. Well, recently, the newspaper gave its backing to Dr. Oz, who's running for Senate, and not the labor-endorsed candidate, John Fetterman. Well, CWA, this would be District 2-13, their vice president, Ed Mooney, highlighted the absurd reasoning behind the newspaper's endorsement in their letter announcing the endorsement. The Post-Gazette editorial board noted correctly that John Fetterman supports a $15 an hour minimum wage, while Oz wants market forces to raise wages. The letter goes on to say that it is Fetterman rather than Oz who does not understand the problems of the working class. Go figure. By the way, there are over 100 workers at the Post-Gazette on strike because of unfair labor practices in the paper's management. Now, that's not Frank's region, but I'm sure National has picked up on that. Later in the show, we're going to go to the Pacific Northwest, and we're going to join Lowell Gladowski. Now, Lowell started his pre-apprenticeship training back in 1997 at the International Masonry Institute Job Corps Center. After graduating a year later, he started his career as a bricklayer apprentice in Seattle with the bricklayers and allied craft workers. That would be Local 1. That's a pretty big local, too. Territory, that is. It covers Washington State, and it goes up to Alaska. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of ground there. After um, receiving his journey-level certificate, that was in 2005, he quickly moved into a leadership role as a four-person and, get this, eventually became the owner of a masonry signatory contractor. And he did that for about seven years. Now, Lowell's held several positions, such as apprenticeship coordinator and currently the business manager for Local One. That's the uh, bricklayers and allied craft workers. So we'll talk about his rise to a business manager. We'll get into uh, mentorship, what that means. And um, working with the signatory contractors. Obviously, they got a good relationship because he was one of them. So Lowell Gladowski of Local One of the Bricklayers will be joining us later in the show. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good people at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. With $17 billion in assets under advisement, they serve the needs of Taft-Hartley funds, corporations, public funds, endowments, foundations, and religious organizations. You can find more at BoydWatterson.com. Well, the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, that would be District 19, announced that it's roughly 4,900 locomotive machinists, track equipment mechanics, and facility maintenance personnel 
have approved, and this was a narrow margin, a revised contract agreement that the union had reached with freight railroads. The members had rejected the original contract. That was back in September. That was the day before the White House announced a deal between the rail companies and three other unions to prevent a national strike. Now, this time, 59% of members voted, just 59%, and 52% of them accepted the deal. The uh, machinists acknowledged that, quote, the agreement wasn't accepted overwhelmingly and said it will continue to amplify the deficiencies in the carrier sick leave and attendance policies. That's a big issue, as we have reported on the show. Now, two unions have rejected the tentative agreement stuck in mid-September, primarily, primarily due to discontent over sick leave, thus creating the potential for a strike, which, which could happen later this month. There's still a lot. That has to be done before that actually materializes. Now, the Brotherhood of Railroad Singlemen, which represents over 6,000 workers who install and maintain signal systems, they voted to reject the tentative agreement in late October. The Brotherhood of Maintenance Way Employees, which represents 23,900 workers, and this is the group that builds and maintains tracks and bridges. They also voted against the deal. That was on October 10th. Last week, more than 300 industry groups, including the National Retail Federation and the National Association of Manufacturers, urged President Biden to take action and prevent a rail strike. So right now, There's a serious tug of war going on right now because they don't want to strike. And keep in mind that should a strike happen, that would affect 30, at least 30 percent of the goods being shipped every day in America. That would definitely screw up the supply chain, and they certainly don't want that to happen. In the meantime, workers at a Northeast Philadelphia Home Depot store have voted against unionizing. This vote was on Saturday, and it was overwhelming, 165 to 51. The employees rejected forming Home Depot Workers United. Now, Home Depot is the world's largest home improvement retailer. They employ about a half million people in over 2,300 stores in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. Vince Quiles is the lead organizer, and he filed a union election petition back in September with 106 workers' signatures attempting to represent the Northeast Philadelphia store. That store has about 266 employees. Now, since organizers allege that management there has been union busting to intimidate employees and discourage organizing, Keela said, I knew when I filed this petition it wasn't going to be easy, but you do these things because you believe them to be right. Well, the organizers have filed a formal complaint to the NLRB, which includes allegations that managers surveilled organizers, interrogated employees, suppressed conversations between workers, and get this one, perpetuating a character assassination to discredit Mr. Quiles. Now, the organizers are still optimistic. Quiles said, I see it like this. They're very beatable. Had we better prepared for that propaganda, for that intimidation, this would have gone differently. 
Wise words there, Vince. All right, we're going to have to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with the Communication Workers of America. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. Now... Back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Make sure you get the word union in there. And if you like a show, remember this. Please share that show with your union brother or sister because we count all the downloads. And the more downloads, we get more sponsors and we get more guests on the show. And uh, right now, we are closing in on the top 10% of all podcasts in America. So thank you for that. Speaking of sponsors, let's go to line number one right now and welcome a hardworking guy, Mr. Frank Matthews, who represents District 4, the Communication Workers of America. That would be Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And a couple of states in there are very key to what may happen, especially in the Senate. Frank Matthews, welcome back to the show. You, you're probably glad this day is over and uh, hoping for the best for tomorrow. I'm going to let you pick it up from there. Go ahead. Oh, my, yes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, running through the tape here. It's um, At this point, it's all about, I think, getting our our labor family out to vote and getting people to the polls to support those candidates that, you know, put working families first and foremost Um you know, none more than, uh, you know, in Wisconsin, Mandela Barnes is running against probably the worst uh, member of the U.S. Senate I've ever seen in, in Ron Johnson. Um, and uh, the guy wakes up every day, you know, trying to figure out how to hose working families and how to, uh, um, you know, uh, make things better for his millionaire buddies. And... I mean, holy smokes, the guy voted against uh, curtailing insulin prices, you know. I mean, and then uh, right here in Ohio, the, um, the uh, you know, the Senate race with uh, J.D. Vance uh, pretending to be, a, you know, basically a, a real Ohioan running against our friend Tim Ryan, uh, who, um, 
you know, wakes up every day first and foremost thinking about workers first and and how to make Ohio better. Um, uh, and you know, I think uh, I think Tim's. Uh, I think we're going to do very well. I, I do. I mean, we've got and we've got out in Illinois, Tammy Duckworth running. So you know, some real friends of labor there, and um, you know. That's it. Then we've got everything else, you know, in, in this district, which is, you know, governor's races in three states. Well, four states, actually. Um, J.D. Pritzker in Illinois um, is uh, who we've supported um, in Wisconsin. Uh, Tony Evers, uh, who's a great governor for working families, particularly around the um, broadband issues mm-hmm. uh, in, or in Michigan. Uh, uh, governor Gretchen Whitmer, who... Um, first and foremost in anything normally includes CWA when she talks about broadband. And then, of course, Nan Whaley here in Ohio, who um, is really, uh, you know, there's a really stark contrast between um, candidates that think families first and and between uh, Nan Whaley and Mike DeWine. And um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a stark contrast. Nan Whaley comes from a union family. Her father was not a worker. Uh, you know, she totally gives credit to labor for being the reason she had uh, a middle-class lifestyle and was able to go to college growing up. And, you know, she doesn't come from a family like the DeWines that, holy smokes, on Google Maps, their their home compound is given its own wiki address. You know, I mean, just that uh, the, the amount of money and, 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 and millions that, uh, you know, those people have accumulated in politics that, you know, I don't care. You're, if you're that rich, how do you relate to a working family? So I think the contrasts are very, very stark. People have a, a really good choice, um, although the advertisings, error, the advertisements on TV get, like, I'm like everybody. It's just, it becomes too much at some point. But I think the candidates have provided a stark difference. You're either for working families or you're for millionaires and CEOs, and you're for keeping uh, working families down, which is, you know, what I think a lot of these candidates want. And we've tried to show the contrast, and hopefully our working families get out to vote, and uh, we can uh, keep things this country moving the way it has under Biden, particularly on the infrastructure stuff, the PRO Act, all those, those items. We can keep things moving uh, in a positive direction. Frank, you brought up the uh, commercials, and if you don't mind, I'd like to get into that a little deeper because uh, they're brutal. They're brutal, and, and many of them are just outright lies. I'm just wondering, what are you hearing? Because you're, you're, you're all around. I mean, District 4, very, very key district here. You're hearing from, from voters. What are they saying? What kind of effect are those commercials having on on the I don't think I don't think they are. I think it's I, I think, you know, we're let's be honest, we're 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 dealing with a very slim share of the voter that is trying to be persuaded. Um, you know, and that piece of pie keeps getting ever and ever so so um marginalized with each election. Um what I really think I think I think some of these negative commercials, you know, uh, you know, not to name but on these Supreme Court races where, you know, I saw one by, um, I think it was the one of the DeWines put out a commercial about how the his, his opponent didn't want bail, didn't think that a, the public's safety should be 
contingent on whether a person gets bail or not. Now, on the surface, that's, I mean, I know all three of the Supreme Court candidates in Ohio, and none of them feel that way, and public safety is first and foremost. But just because you say it, I think they think they can say anything and scare people. I think I think people are starting to to see through a lot of the ads, and that's why, I, you know, we've seen a lot of positive ads about, um, you know, with both uh, in, in Ohio here with Nan Whaley and Tim Ryan about bipartisanship coming to the middle, people, people from both sides of the aisle, you know, again, wearing Ohio first kind of stuff. But the negative ads, I don't think so much. And I, I really think that a lot of the overreach that um, the, the GOP has done in Ohio in particular, and I know the same overreach has happened in Michigan and Wisconsin, um, a lot of that overreach is going to blow back on them here today because it's uh, people are tired of it, particularly a lot of the, the, you know, the social issues. I really get a sense that you're going to see an electorate out there that basically draws a line in the sand and says, you know what, we're tired of it all. Let's let's return to that middle ground. Let's return to common sense. Let's return to where we don't have, you know, politicians uh, trying to control people's lives the way they the the way they appear to be, particularly you know uh, here in Ohio, um, you know, and uh, I think I think people are going to get into the the ballot booth and and say you know what enough's enough and um, I think the 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 polling throw the polling out the window because I think the uh, the uh, the people are going to speak loud and clear you know yeah in yeah. this election. Oh, I think we have found the polling to be very inaccurate over the past couple of elections. I mean, and and I don't even know if people are truthful when they ask them how they're going to vote. So that that's right. another issue. But uh, your district also includes uh, Illinois, as I mentioned, and there is a major issue on the ballot there, a workers' rights amendment right. that would more or less enshrine collective bargaining into the state constitution. So great idea. I hope it passes. What are you hearing from your people in uh, in Illinois? I'm hearing that's going to pass very handily. Even the the anti not the anti labor, but the people that aren't in unions. You know, we've done a lot of polling ourselves. We talk about polling. Um, labor's labor unions have never pulled stronger, particularly with with non union members right now. I mean, seventy over seventy two percent of Americans that aren't in unions say that they would like to be in a union. Um, I think particularly COVID made us realize, made folks realize how valuable unions were when they saw how, you know, when when things got bad, um, a lot of the, the non-union companies, their first knee-jerk reaction was to cut headcount, to put the burden of COVID on the worker solely. And, you know, immediately the knee-jerk reaction by some of these less than, um, you know, less than great uh CEOs and companies was to lay folks off, blame it on COVID, you know, instead of having a union there to work with the employer and say, now let's, maybe let's not do that. Let's, let's see if somebody wants to maybe furlough one day a week kind of a thing. And why can't we all just get through this together? Well, that's was the result of having a union and, and the result of that COVID and how people consciously saw how the, the union employees, fared so much better during covid 
and and just because of having that voice at the work site that we're seeing a, a huge surge in, in in folks out there wanting to unionize and so I think just that mentality I mean it, this is from what we hear it's polling very well in the 60s and 70 percent support for that and you're right it's 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 we call it prop one issue one and and basically would would forbid anybody from coming in to change the state constitution later on that that you know uh, either outlawed or or had a negative effect on people's rights to collectively bargain um such as you know putting in right um so-called right to work laws that you and i know are are are, are really anti-right to work that uh you know we've seen it time and time again and we can prove it that if you're in a right to work state you know your social services are are minimal your educational system is is probably in the bottom percent of the country and more importantly if you're in a right to work state you're more than 60 percent likely than in a non-right to work state to have an on-the-job accident and maybe not make it home so uh it's a it's a great thing and i and hopefully it passes really well i mean it's a great state to start illinois is a a very uh progressive uh labor friendly state so i think it's going to be good i think we're going to see that pass today we'll see what happens frank matthews joining us on our live line today he is uh, administrative director for uh, district four which includes Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan. We'll continue with him. In fact, we're going to talk about uh, preparing the workforce for broadband. Later in the show, we're going to go to the Pacific Northwest, check in with bricklayers and allied craft workers, Local One. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, LIUNA members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by LIUNA at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A.org. Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. The United Auto Workers are one of the largest and most diverse unions in North America, with members in virtually every sector of the economy. Learn more about this proud sponsor of our program at uaw.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. When you get an opportunity, just do this. Sign up, receive our shows on a regular basis, and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part 
by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go back to our live line with Frank Matthews. On behalf of one of our sponsors, the Communication Workers of America, national website cwa-union.org. A lot of information there about what they're doing and uh, what kind of laws they're pushing. I want to get into this apprenticeship program. There's some grant money they secured, but hey, solidarity forever, right? I, I, I hear that you are on the picket line in uh, Pittsburgh. I mentioned this at the top of the show. There's a strike going on at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and on top of it, the newspaper endorsed Dr. Oz over Fetterman. Why? I have no idea. But uh, tell me about your uh, your time on the pick. They're trying to bust the union there. Is that right? Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty obvious. I mean, the the you get these family papers and and they some of the things they're 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 just doing is is quite obviously a divisive measure and 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 you know that's probably you know I I believe that's their goal. Um, there's been a lot of solidarity, though. I was over there um, two week, almost a week and a half ago, um, downtown at the Post Gazette, and, and as a show of support, and um, myself and Vice President Hinton and um, uh, Chris or um, Kurt Hess, our assistant to VPN, we were all down there with some staff reps and and took some members down there as a show of solidarity. Um, you know, there are CWA brothers and sisters over there in, 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 um, over there in, in that district. And, um, it was pretty incredible. I mean, just energized. I mean, you know, they're running into a situation too, where they're, uh, you know, they're running a couple different pickets. They're doing secondary pickets at like, uh, the post Gazette is having, uh, the Butler Eagle, which is another paper do their printing while the strike is going on. So, uh, you know, doing some picketing over at the Butler Eagle, convincing those folks that, you know, uh, hey, it's, you know, it's against your best interest to to print the paper for the Post-Gazette now because essentially what's going to happen is when it's when it's your turn, you know, you know, the, the Butler Eagle is going to ask the Post-Gazette to do the same to you that's being done over at the Gazette now. So, um, it was very energizing. Um, it was a, a, a big group. Um, they're uh, right downtown Pittsburgh, um, and uh, we got nothing but the, the be- wish nothing but the greatest support for those folks because you know they've been been getting a lot of positive press. Uh, they've launched a uh, radio and video ad against the Post Gazette on exactly what they're trying to do trying to get people to boycott the website, cancel subscriptions. Um, the city of Pittsburgh recently issued a resolution supporting the strikers and condemning block communications, the owners of the paper. Um, and, you know, um, basically all the, you know, the city council itself called out the Post-Gazette management and, and basically said, hey, recognize the value of your workers uh, end your unfair labor practices, start bargaining in good faith, and, you know, let's get a collective bargaining agreement now. And, yeah. um, you know, so uh, it's pretty exciting when you see people sticking up for themselves. And there's so many different groups there. you got the writers, the reporters, the photographers, the printers, and now they're all starting to all come back together and, and uh, realize that, uh, you know, it's uh, – 
everybody has to jump in here because yeah. uh, next time you're going to be on the spit and uh, you want the same support that uh, that uh, these folks are asking for now. All right, one more story here, and this involves a talent pipeline challenge, and this is part of the Biden-Harris administration's drive to uh, secure partnerships with employers and obviously unions like the CWA. AT&T is involved. It's starting in California. I can only think that it's going to spread around the country. And we all know that the infrastructure law included $65 billion for broadband. So, okay, we got a lot of money going into broadband. Do we have the workforce that knows how to handle that? That's what this is all about. And apparently the CWA secured over $5 million in grants to expand what they call fiber technician apprenticeship programs. Now, this is in the state of California. And this this story, by the way, is on the CWA website, cwa-union.org. And Frank, I can only assume that this is going to spread to other states. What What are you hearing about this? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. I think, you know, the the thing about it is, is we've got, um, when it gets out here to the Midwest, we've got a training center right in Cleveland, Ohio, that's run by the Cleveland um, local up there, That a training center that would be available to train fiber optic splicers, to train really anything. And... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 they call it the talent pipeline challenge. I think what we're going to see is that, you know, part of the 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 Biden genius on this thing was they they put in the training on the front end here because they know on the back end, you know, when things really get chugging along, that we're going to need that those trained folks. So. And here's the beauty, and, and, and I think the benefit of CWA being a partner and getting involved in this and, and, and taking such a lead role uh, with the states and the Biden administration is that, you know, a lot of times you'll hear, you'll hear companies cry, cry, well, we'd like to do that, but we just don't have the manpower. Well, we really don't believe that on the front end. We think there's initially here on the front end, we've got a lot of folks that have been um, you know, they're already trained. These these companies now that are starting to reinvest and re-get into broadband have had some layoffs over the last decade. So we believe there's a pool out there of folks that have been laid off or already trained folks that it'll be pretty easy to plug into this. But on the end of that, true, we're going to have to have training and we're going to have to get the next generation ready. So I think that's what, you know, this, the, the beauty and the genius of uh, Biden doing this apprenticeship program and, and the reason we want to be, um, you know, part of it is that, you know, we do have a certain expertise. We do have a certain knowledge at CWA of, of what talent is out there, who's out there, and, and what we can do. I mean, part of this was a deal where, um, you know, the, uh, there was an event at the White House as part of all this talent talent pipeline challenge and we actually had a demonstration there that showed you know fiber splicing by correctly trained union workforces and the difference between that and just the fly-by-nighters and the and the untrained people that'll come in because believe me when there's this much money out there for broadband they're going to have some less than less than honest or less than well-trained folks trying to get to the to the to the money 
And I think the the message in in this meeting, in this pipeline challenge, in this in this meeting over in D.C. Um, regarding all this, was that you know what, <laughs> the union labor, the union trained workforce is the future. And I mean, you want stuff. I mean, I don't know any better way to explain it, Flash, than our CWA union members built the copper system that back in the early 30s that lasted for almost 100 years, yep. okay? It's time to let those same people build the fiber network. So we've got a fiber network that lasts that long. There we don't go. want all this money spent, and 10 years from now, some city or some some state or some company saying, oh, my, I wish we would have gone with a little better you know, operation or had a little more highly trained workforce. So that's it in a nutshell. I think if it's built right, let's build it right. We've had the money's there thanks to Joe Biden. Let's build it right so it lasts 100 years like our copper network last. last there you go. Yeah, so do it right the first time. Frank Matthews, District 4 Administrative Director for the CWA, CWA-Union.org. You take care, my friend. We'll uh, talk a month from now. Okay, brother? Yeah, take care, Fife. All right, quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with the bricklayers and allied craft workers. This would be Local 1 covering the state of Washington and Alaska. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. You're listening to America's Workforce, and this next segment brought to you by the North Coast Labor Federation. From the Golden Gate Bridge to the St. Louis Gateway Arch, the Sears Tower, and just about every building, bridge, and structure in between, our cities and towns wouldn't be the same without iron workers. With over 3,000 contractors employing more than 130,000 highly trained iron workers and 20,000 apprentices, the Iron Workers Union stands ready and able to shape the future of our skylines. Learn more at ironworkers.org. Ironworkers, the sky's the limit. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, Twitter handle AWF Union Podcast. Make sure you get the word union in there. All right, let's go to Seattle, Washington right now. And joining us on our live line is Lowell Gladowski, and he is the business manager of Local One of the Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers, which covers Washington State and Alaska, a big chunk of territory there. He'll give us the specifics momentarily. Mr. Gladowski, did I pronounce your name correct? Is that right, sir? Yes, indeed, you did. Very good, very good. Uh, give, give me some uh, background on your local here. Local one, how many members, your territory? Go ahead. Okay, so we have roughly about 1,100 members here in the Pacific Northwest. 
Our territory uh, Tory is mainly the west side of Washington and also um, the full state of Alaska. So we currently have roughly about 300 apprentices in that workforce. And um, this is where I'm homegrown. I've, I've lived here my whole life and honored to give back to uh, our local. That's an interesting territory. The west side of Washington State and all of Alaska. Now, I would imagine as business manager, that requires a little bit of travel. Can, can, can you speak to that, sir? Yes, it does. Um, there's, there's a, l- luckily, I have a, a great workforce of uh, five reps that work with me. Um, we're still trying to get Alaska established, uh, a, a rep up there, but we're currently traveling up to Alaska at least uh, once a month to make sure that the members are, are doing good up there and the workforce needs are being fulfilled. And, um, and on, on, the, uh, on the west side of Washington, uh, we cover everything all the way up to Canada um, and all the way down to Oregon. So it's, it's a lot of territory to cover and and uh, luckily, I have people to help out. Very good. Well, you've got an interesting background. Uh, I was reading that you started your pre-apprenticeship training back in 1997 at the International Masonry Institute Curlew Job Corps Center. And uh, shortly after graduation, which was a year later in 98, you started a career as a bricklayer apprentice. That was in Seattle with Local One. What I thought was interesting was that for some time you were the owner of a masonry signatory contractor. You became the owner. Uh, that, uh, that's, a, that's a switch. Well, let, talk to me about that part in your life, Lowell. Yeah, so I was, uh, I was thankful enough to have uh, great mentors who, who gave me the opportunity to be in a leadership position. And with that, I was able to um, achieve part owner, at first and eventually became full owner. So I started off out in the field as a bricklayer for the company, uh, eventually got into the supervisor role and uh, was the estimator and, and um, lead superintendent for the company and eventually just acquired 100% uh, ownership. So it was, it was a great opportunity to excel and grow and um, learn some great skill sets from it as well. So, Lowell, how long did that go, and uh, what made you decide not to be a signatory contractor after so many years? Well, there was a lot of, a lot of long hours, a lot of sweat involved with the business. Uh, seven years uh, it ran for, and uh, I, I, I swear I worked 80 to 100 hours. I was the truck driver. I was the estimator. I was a safety guy. I was a payroll specialist. Uh, every hat you could wear being a business owner and, and uh, missing out on, you know, um, dances watching my kids uh, go to dance recitals and and baseball practice and football and um too many of those were missed and realized that i was working too much and and i had to seize the moment and and take care of my kids and make sure that um i was there for them at those specific uh events so i I decided to lay my hat down and go back out in the field as a a superintendent for other signatory contractors Mm mm-hmm so that was like 10 years ago when you decided to make that switch. How's everything been going since then? Oh, I'm, I'm just honored. I I've, I've still have uh, really chopped through the agenda in life as far as um, with, with the uh, bricklayers and allied craft workers. I have had the great opportunity to become um, the apprentice coordinator for uh, three years. First person of color to ever be in that position since 1940 and uh, mm-hmm. was able to uh, – 
stay there for about three years, and then I decided to run for office and became a business manager of our local union. Well, how how's everything going with the workload? Uh, it's interesting because we try to check in with various areas, southern states, obviously Pacific Northwest, very different territory compared to, say, Mississippi, Alabama. But uh, what's what's the uh, scenario there? In uh, And actually, well, you got such a wide territory. Let's start with Washington State, and maybe you could tell me about Alaska. Let's start with Washington. Go ahead. Yeah, Washington is continues to boom. We have several tower cranes. I want to say there's over still 30 tower cranes just in the city of Seattle. That's not including the, the other cities surrounding. Um, the work is, is still looking phenomenal here. Um, we continue to keep all of our members busy and recruiting uh, nonstop. Um, I don't see a slowdown happening anytime soon. Um, there's still there's still tower cranes going up. We also have a massive um, sound transit project. It's a it's our it's our um, railway system that is being installed. It's over thirty. I think they anticipate up to thirty billion dollars still left to spend just in those that specific project. And uh, our members are working on that, thankfully. And yeah, work is booming here. There's, there's no, there's no, I don't see any slowdown. Okay. What about Alaska then? Alaska is continuing to gain momentum, momentum up there. There's, um, there's some mass uh, projects going on uh, in the port area and then also a hospital up there. Uh, And I think that's in Ketchikan that's going on. So there's tons of work out there. Uh, It's just a matter of, the weather allowing them to complete it before before it it gets too cold up there so it's right. very seasonal at times they work uh, 6 to 9 months and when it's nice up there they're they're trying to work 12 to 14 hours a day in order to compensate for that slow time when the weather does come in Mm-hmm. 12 to 14 hours and then nothing for, for a couple of months. That's interesting. Lowell, if you don't mind, let's get into uh, the apprenticeship program. You kind of touched on that briefly. I want to expand on that. And by the way, we should give the uh, the website out here. It's uh, BAC number one, not number in there, BAC1WA-AK.org. There's a lot there that's bricklayers and allied craft workers, local one, uh, Washington State, as well as uh, Alaska. So, How's it looking for the apprenticeship programs? And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of trades out there. There's people that are attracted to various, whether you want to be a plumber, a pipe fitter, uh, an iron worker, bricklayers. I mean, it's tough on the hands. I get that. Uh, I'm just wondering how you're doing with with getting young people into the trades. Yeah, so we we have our own um, recruitment uh, campaign that we launched back in 2018. It's Level Up, uh, NW.org. And it specifically was we were trying to recruit younger candidates because our average age of apprentices was right about 33 to 35 years old. And it was very tough to attract, uh, just like you said, people to come work very hard with their hands. You get paid great, great uh, benefits, but the work is tough. It, there's, there's no doubt there. And um, we currently have roughly about 225 apprentices um, of those, 33% are people of color or minorities, and uh, almost uh, 7% women. And when I first started as coordinator, we were barely even at 1% um, as far as women in the trades, in our specific trades. And um, our, our threshold of minority was right about 26%. So we've, we've made some drastic uh, changes uh, at the apprenticeship level. We continue to recruit uh, a younger group. Um, 
which we've lowered our average age down to 28 now, which is great. Uh, and so it continues to um, pay for itself. The, the, the campaign, the recruitment campaign, really uh, focused on that younger age group, and it seems to work out really well to where uh, it's turnkey now to where we have a, a pool of people uh, who want to join our program. So it, it, it's awesome to see the change and from where it came from. And that's a very short amount of time. What did you specifically do in your outreach? I mean, that's fantastic that you're able to have such a diverse union. Uh, any 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 pointers here for our audience on what uh, what others could do to to attract uh, more people of color, more women? It was uh, it was the support. It was having people who look like them, having having a women support group that you know it, it was not established, and now we have one, and it's nice that. Uh, and also mentoring. Mentoring is one of the most key com- the key components to any success for uh, any company, any union. Um, and we we're, we have a big, strong emphasis on making sure uh, mentoring is is one of our key components, and and making sure that the people we're recruiting uh, look like them as well. So it's, it's it's been very helpful. Very good. How are you doing with the schools there? And I bring this conversation up to so many business managers because, uh, you know, the counselors say, you got to go to college, you got to go to college. That's the way you're going to get a lot of money. And then a lot of people go to college and then they can't find a job. Uh, How are we doing on that? Are are we getting to those counselors saying, hey, you know what? Being a bricklayer, pretty good career path. Is that happening? Yes, we have. uh, We have an event every year that we host. It's called Educate the Educators. And we have a, a shop that we open up our apprenticeship and training center, and we allow them to use the tools and actually see what we do on a day-to-day basis. And half the time, they didn't realize how much we got paid and what great benefits that, that are provided through the Bricklayers Union. And so that, that event takes place uh, once a year, and we go to all these different job fairs, and you're right. It, it is. They, they put you in the dark hallway and and the colleges get the beautiful lit up gymnasium because I was a recruiter for six months prior to being a coordinator. Uh, and, and that was one of the things I noticed. And, and the hard part was uh, trying to get them to understand that um, you can earn while you learn. Right. And half the time, most of them don't even realize um, there's zero debt and, and all your education is paid for. We, we partner with the college here in Seattle. I think there's only two places in our, in our unions that partner with the colleges to where they can get a degree out of this um, after they complete their, their four-year apprenticeship. So it's, it's nice to know that um, education is there at no debt. Lowell, there's always so many non-union contractors out there, and, and you could probably speak to them with the, when it comes to bricklayers. Uh, I'm just wondering, are we having any, because you know there's so much organizing going on right now. I mean, it, it's, it, it's infectious. I mean, Amazon, which is based up there, uh, you see what's happening there. Starbucks, which <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about all these Seattle companies. It's kind of funny, but, and, and you are in Seattle right now, and you know what's going on, and I'm wondering, uh, with the non-union bricklayers out there are they coming over to the union side or they're saying hey you know what i I see what those guys at local one are making i I think i want to join is any of that happening yet yes yes we are we are organizing why the you gotta you gotta strike why the iron's hot and now's the time and we've got boots on the ground and we've we've been bringing in um anywhere from 10 to 15 new people each in, in our various crafts that we offer uh each month and continue to uh, organize and, and get people to realize 
how beneficial it is to join the bricklayers union and how well they get paid. So, and we just uh, got a $3 an hour raise uh, on June one. So that's definitely attractive as well. So what are bricklayers? Let's just, let's just, you know, tell our audience here in your area in, in Washington and Alaska, local one, the 1100 members over there, what kind of, what kind of pay are we talking about here, Lowell? So the total package is uh, $66 and 32 cents. Um, and forty eight seventy seven is on the check. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, it's a great livable wage. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's uh, super expensive to live here in King County or Seattle, but uh, it's a livable wage um, and, and you can raise a family and have wonderful benefits. We have two pension plans. We have our local and our international and uh, I'm, I'm living proof of it. I mean, I started in 98. I, I continue to um, contribute towards the union and I'm, I don't think I'd be here if, if I was non-union. I can tell you that as far as being successful in my life. So I'm very thankful um, of, of what my predecessors have done and, and the mentoring that has occurred to get me to where I'm at now. That's awesome. Great to hear. Lowell Gladowski, business manager of Local One of the Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers with uh, Washington State and uh, Alaska, big territory there. Website again is BAC1WA-AK.org. Any parting words here, Lowell, that you want to give to our audience right now? Uh, I, w- I would say... Um, the one thing that I, I would say is uh, that it is so important to take your time and be patient uh, with, with the uh, new apprentices. Um, a lot of the times that the old school way uh, we've always thought has worked and, and it doesn't. And, and my, my, my key would be to make sure that uh, you leave your footprint and, and you give back to what has been given to you and, and leave it a better place because the culture needs to change. And uh, I'm each and every one of us can, make that change if we're part of it, either part of the solution or the problem. So I'm hoping that everybody really considers taking the time and having the patience to teach these new leaders to make sure that our pensions are funded and that the, the dream still stays alive for others and, and, and be able to give back. I love it. Well said, my man. Be patient and uh, make a positive difference. That's what it's all about. Lowell, you take care, stay safe, and stay in touch, all right? All right. Thank you very much. You take care. Well, that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, we're going to check in with the Florida Education Association and the Painters and Allied Trades in Maryland. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.